Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. These facts require immediate action by President Trump. Accept his share of responsibility. Quell the brewing unrest and ensure President-elect Biden is able to successfully begin his term. Well, that was uh, a year ago, and that's the dulcet tones of congressional, uh, they just call him the spine of steel around the Capitol. That's our Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy, again, one year ago, condemning, we're up on the anniversary in two days, of the mob that tried to, well, take control of the U.S. Congress. So we're going to talk a lot about that and many other things. But first to all, Hackaroos, Happy New Year. It is great to be with you. I am joined by... His Majesty Lord Robert Gibbs here to kick off <laughs> Happy the New, New Year, Year to uh, to everybody. How you doing, pal? I'm good. I mean, can 2022 be worse than 2021? I'm. I oh don't yeah, know. <laughs> it can. <laughs> we'll it can. see. I'm I guess, Irish. Right? I think it can. I got low expectations. <laughs> All right, and you know what? Better way to kick off the new year, and you know, just because he's joined it, I'm going to put it on Murphy. Oh my God! Look at that. You, you folks at home, luckily don't have the video feed. But uh, if you can't see it, which nobody can, just imagine or Google Casey K A Y C E from Yellowstone. That's what this hat's made me look like. And I was thinking Hunts Hall myself. <laughs> but you know, and uh, if I'm wearing a hat, it must mean that our guest is none other than, and he looks way better in a hat. <laughs> Stetson, Man of the Year. <laughs> political legend host of the circus and co-creator and everything else that's important about the circus our friend the great mark mckinnon uh gibbs i think i think you got kind of a high plains grifter look going on. <laughs> <laughs> grifter or drifter hold on wait a minute i would have brought my lid down here if i knew we were doing this i should have figured it out with mckinnon but anyway uh, let, let's dive in here tomorrow allegedly attorney general merrick garland is going to Break his silence about this uh, January 6th investigation. I think the big question people are looking at is as the Congressional Committee uh, does, in my view, a pretty good job of, of, of a thorough investigation and starting to find things, and they refer some of that evidence to the Justice Department, then Garland will have the hot potato. Uh, will, there be, will there be criminal investigations done that could reach to the very top of the former White House? So what do we all think about that? And politically, I know everybody should care. I think it's the biggest single issue. It's our democracy. But, you know, let's be hard-headed politicos. Does anybody care? Well, I, I guess I sort of string this out to say, where does it ultimately go? And you, we and we hear these sort of breaking stories every other day, like yesterday it was, you know, uh, Trump's son and daughter, or daughter had, you know, advised him that he should do something on that day and that, you know, do something about the violence. We keep getting these reports about you know, what kind of communications were going on with the president. I mean, I just don't know that ultimately I, I, I support the investigation 100%, but I just don't know where it lands at the end of the day when you have the president say, well, listen, I made a video, you know, I said, you know, call it off. And, you know, yeah. uh, I, again, I just think that people are so locked into their positions on this. I mean, I, I, and it just seems to me that as we've seen over and over again, Congress is ultimately so clawless when it comes to really, you know, any sort of, uh, you know, accountability 
that I just I just feels to me like it's going to peter out. Well, Gibbs, you're a known agitator. What are you thinking? <laughs> well, look, I, you mentioned it, and I think it's a great setup. It's Merrick Garland, who has probably been among the cabinet pretty quiet, if you think about in a year, uh, having been attorney general. I'd say mute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's going to inherit a lot, as you said, a lot of hot potatoes, right? He's going to get the criminal referral he already yep. has for, um, or I think he has for Mark Meadows. Um, you know, he's indicted Steve Bannon, and I think by year's end, Steve Bannon will uh, probably be pounding out license plates somewhere uh, for for his uh, contempt of Congress. But I, I think that's the, the, the big question is whether or not people in the orbit, direct orbit of Donald Trump or Donald Trump uh, are referred uh, for criminal prosecution from the committee to... Um, to the Justice Department, and then ultimately, what, what does Merrick Garland do? I think tomorrow he 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 talks broadly about how serious the Department of Justice has taken this. More than 700 people have been indicted. I don't think he's going to get into the specifics of this, but I, I think that's going to be one of the big, big stories that he's going to have to deal with uh, throughout 2022, and, and I'm not sure what he does, um, but I, I think it's uh, it, it's. <laughs> It's going to be hot, and he's going to have to make some big, big decisions. You know, I personally, of course, have gone completely insane about this, as many of my friends still active in the trenches of the party will tell you. But I want leg irons. I want the old Home Improvement Commission from Tin Men with the slow-moving fans. I want jail. But, and there, I think a lot of people on the Democratic side feel feel like I do, and some never-Trump Republicans, of course, agree. But let's do the hard-headed politics. We're hacks. Um, if the Democrats feel pressure from their base to pound away on this uh, January 6th issue, is it to their political advantage, or are they preaching to a choir and you know paying an opportunity cost not to be talking about other more meat and potatoes things that tragically voters may care more about than this you know little old attack on our democracy thing, which seems to be. Uh, of interest only to half the country. Well, Mike, I think I think you hit the nail on the head with the, just the notion that what Democrats, I, I think, need to do and should resist is just more partisan hackery. Let the commission do its work. And if there's criminal contempt proceedings, great. Uh, and Garland should proceed along that front. But, but Democrats have got to get back to messages and ideas and policies that, you know, are really at the core of sort of the economic heartbeat of the country. And especially with COVID and especially with everything else going on, the, the, I think the, the big problem last year for Democrats was that they were just seen as not being plugged into every, you know, I mean, look at that Virginia governor's race. That's a great example of just yeah. how disconnected Democrats were and how connected Republicans became yeah. just in the sense of like people's anxiety. And and so I think if all Democrats are talking about the January 6th commission, I think a lot of people say, well, God damn it. What about me? Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree uh, with Mark. I think, you know, it's interesting. A Politico poll came out right at the beginning of the year, showed 58 percent of independents were supportive of the January 6th commission. And surprisingly, 40 percent of Republicans were supportive, 44 not supportive. Um, I think those numbers were a little surprising, particularly on the Republican side. Uh, so there is great interest in, uh, and I think there is a desire by many to see the investigation, as Mark talked about, go forward and and come to a conclusion. And look, there's, I think there's a ton we don't know, 
right? <laughs> my, maybe my favorite thing uh, to think this guy was like almost the head of the Department of Homeland Security, but uh, Bernie Carrick uh, turned over some documents to the January 6th commission and then put together an index of documents that he didn't turn over. And one of those documents was, I wish I was making this up, but draft letter from POTUS to seize evidence in the interest of national security for the 2020 elections. Now, if we've got a letter, a draft letter from Donald Trump to seize uh, uh, you know, to seize election equipment, uh, this could get uh, pretty ugly. But I, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I mean, good God, right? Yeah. I, I agree. But Step I agree with Mark. three: seize radio station. I'm sure it was a very brilliant and insightful eight point plan that Bernie came up with there. Appoint Rudy, chief of all administration. Step seven. But I agree with Mark. I mean, let let the commission work in the background. Let it continue to do its things. I, I, I think the end of last year. When uh, when Liz Cheney read those those texts from from members of Congress and others, um, th- th- that was a real moment of 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 shock and awe and surprise in a town in which there's not a ton of that. Um, let that happen. If I was uh, 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 talking to the Democrats, I would say exactly what Mark's saying. G- get focused on econ- the economy. Get focused on education. Get focused on 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 COVID and, and other things, and make sure that you're more present in people's daily lives than what will seem like something that's much much more removed. It is amazing how it's kind of worn off. I mean, we opened the show with a bite of Leader McCarthy pinning blame on Trump in the immediate aftermath, and that has all been erased, uh, like Stalin era Russia. Now, of course, we thank the great leader for for exposing the steel to the country, yada, yada, yada. And he's got, you know, over half the Republican primary voters, at least on polling, saying they they fundamentally believe the assertion the election was rigged. Well, and remember, too, Mike, that it, what was it? What was it more? It wasn't more than a week or so later that uh, that McCarthy ended up at Mar-a-Lago, presumably on bended knee, uh, but literally asking forgiveness for Trump from Trump for having said that. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it gives you a sense of certainly his strength then, and I, and I think in some ways uh, his his strength now. And, and I think it's interesting to me. You know, it's clear Republicans don't really know what to do with Thursday, and I think in some ways they're both helped and hindered by the fact that the House is out of session, so they're not there to to have to relive it. But at the same time, that's left the the. The messaging, if you will, on that day to um, to to Steve Bannon uh, and and his guests uh, that day on on I don't know whether it's his show or his podcast or what it is, but live from uh, from his garage, uh, Steve Bannon, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and and Matt Getz, and that's going to be the the sound that accompanies watching you know, Pelosi doing a, a candlelight visual on the steps and, and things like that. And and I, I think that's going to, that's not going to, that's not going to play well in most of America. Yeah. Though I think I'm with Mark on this uh, emotionally. Again, I want, you know, leg irons, but in the politics of it, seeing Nancy Pelosi 
holding a candle, singing Imagine, slightly off key on one channel, and seeing a bunch of Republican congressmen saying, oh, we got to get beyond this, people went to jail, it's settled, the Democrats are all politics. That's a win for the Repubs that makes it all politics. But but hold on, do you think Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to say, let's just get beyond this? Do you, do you think, do you think, that's not what Matt Getz is going to say. I can no, assure no, no, you but that's there, not what Steve Bannon's going to say. Right, I know, but you know, not everybody is a loyal listener there. The question is what's blurring on, blaring on cable, etc. And it, it, it's going to look very political, which is what the Republicans want. The Republican strategy is really simple. We got to move on. People went to jail. They were way out of line. By the way, Anna Fita was there too. Remember them? They're the bad Democrat protesters. It's all moral equivalent. Move on, move on, move on. And I think in the meat and potatoes politics world, and this is, of course, a tragedy. This is so. People are going to want to move on, and this looks like a partisan thing. So I am for— Yes, Republicans try to push this through the filter exactly of— Yeah, and it works. Democrat versus Republican and hope that washes out. I I don't disagree. I don't disagree in the short term. Again, I think Matt Getz is going to take care of this in some ways for Republicans. I know, but Democrats always think the Getzes and the Greens and the Boberts and Kook 1, 2, 3, and 4 define the whole party. And in most Republican districts, they don't. It's local Charlie there— their affable, regular member of Congress that says, boy, I wish we could just all shucks get all this stuff behind us and move on to cutting taxes and fighting those Chinese. And, you know, and I'm just saying the politics of it mm-hmm. is working for them. So my advice to the Democrats is put down the violin, let the commission, which is doing a great job and huge salute to Kinzinger and Cheney for their courage. Um, and let Garland turn his cops loose on this thing and let it boil. And meanwhile, move the politics off it because the politics are not helping get to the leg irons that I'm hoping for. And the Republicans are very good at making a tool out of that because anything that looks partisan is instantly diminished because people have such a low opinion of politics now. All right. Hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, Hackaroos, like many, many of you, my wife and I are dog people. We rescue, we adopt, we send me to the store to get tons of food. But I'll tell you, with the hounds we love comes the dust and the shedding that we don't love so much. So I have become a fanatic for clean air. I don't want to get the hay fever. I want to breathe clean air. And here in Southern California, that's really important. Well, there's a solution you need to know about. You've got to check them out. Homedics. They sent me the Total Clean Air Purifier, and I love this thing. Here in the Freedom Studio in my basement, I can actually see it through the glass. It's right here, and it's miraculous Total Clean Air Filtration System and UV light removal. That's germ-killing light that they shoot into the air path. Together, it removes up to 99.9% of airborne allergens, including pollen, pet dander, smoke, and mold. It purifies the air in a large room up to about 340 square feet, and it's much cheaper than those crazy, expensive, overpriced air purifiers. Plus, it's compact, smaller than a typical bulky air purifier, so it doesn't hog up a lot of space. It just does its job. The air inside your home can be full of trouble. It can even be five times dirtier than the air outside. That's why Home Medics designed their Total Clean Air Purifier Collection with a variety of needs and room sizes in mind. They're engineers. You know why I know they're engineers? They're from my hometown. 
1987, a Detroit family founded Homedics. And I'll tell you something about Detroiters. We know how to build and engineer things. They did it to make people's lives better. Today, they're the established leader in wellness and home health innovations, backed by traditional wisdom and very modern technology. The big bonus for me of Homedics Total Clean Whisper technology is better sleep. It has the option to use the integrated aromatherapy unit, too, to really put you under. It even has a nightlight feature for people who like, yeah, just a little bit of light before bed. Home Medics has an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so they're a brand that you and your family can rely on. Join millions of customers who trust the Home Medics family to take care of theirs. Good Detroit people making a great product. So here's the offer. Whether you're dealing with allergies or just looking to keep your family safe, there's good news. Right now, if you go to homemedics.com slash hacks, and use promo code HACKS, you will receive a free replacement filter because it's important to keep the filters clean and replaced with the purchase of your air purifier. That's up to a $99 value. Now, friends, make sure you add the replacement filter to your cart or else that magic promo code won't work. Again, free replacement filter when you go to H-O-M-E-D-I-C-S dot com slash hacks and use the magic promo code hacks. We welcome Homedics as a great sponsor to our podcast. Let's talk about old Marjorie Taylor Greene. Not, not a name I like to repeat because I believe in suffocation of kooks. But Twitter threw her off for life. You know, you got to normally be Kim Jong-il to get that kind of treatment or <laughs> Kim Jong-un. So what do we think about that? First Amendment violation or damn right, do more of it. I'm number two. I'm with you. I mean, I, you know, listen, I, I think that, uh, you know, Donald Trump crashes out his, you know, hundred emails a day, but it's, it's, he doesn't have the platform that he used to have. And, it, right. and we know that I'm not saying that Donald Trump's power, particularly among the, the, the Trump base has been diminished as a result of that, but, but his microphone has been turned down for sure. And it's not reaching as many people. And I, and, and by the way, at the bottom of all that, more than anything, I think he's frustrated about it. I mean, I, I think he misses the platform a oh, lot. Yeah. And I think, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene, may miss it even more. I mean, that's right. that's kind of the fuel for her bazooka, right? I mean, that's that's how she powers out her message. And, uh, you know, I think that this is a, I, I'm 100% besides these platforms actually enforcing some kind of rules and accountability. Wait, Mark, you don't think Marjorie Taylor Greene is busy working on the next bit of legislation to solve yeah. some middle-class crisis? <laughs> no, she's playing with a spare tire right now, trying to figure out, you know, I mean, she's a moron. I mean, Matt Gates has, has actually said, and I, this won't, won't be exactly right, but the, the, the substance is basically there. He said, he said he's more effective being on media than governing. Huh. I don't know what that says about either media or governing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I don't disagree. I mean, look, I, I was, I have to say I was a little surprised to get a New York Times breaking news alert that Marjorie Taylor Greene had been kicked off of Twitter. I didn't, I was, you know, kind of scrolling through my phone thinking, huh, that's an interesting, I don't know if that was breaking news from the New York Times, uh, but no, good, good that they, they did it. And, and, you know, the, the reasoning at least uh, officially was, um, you know, spreading vaccine and COVID misinformation, which uh, uh, judging from you, if you spend about five minutes on Twitter, it's remarkable if you just dive in quickly to what people 
there's a lot of people in the country, uh, a scary number of people, at least that that think tens of thousands of people have taken the vaccine and died. Well, yeah. And listen, I mean, it's a much broader question. It would take us hours to get into. But, yep. the you know, we can talk about democracy, all these things. But really, at the root of all of the problems that we've got is just the notion of what is truth and what is fact. Right. I mean, yep. that's that's what's that's what's destroying our country is the notion that I think Kellyanne Conway first proposed, which is that they're alternative we have alternative facts. Yeah, it's <laughs> unbelievable. I miss those guys, Mark. I miss I miss the <laughs> eloquence and reasoning of Kellyanne Conway. And yes. Well, but let's let's dig deeper on the, on the whole larger Trump issue, which you know here's the dead cat beaten yet again, but the cat does have some life in it. If we were to do the Trump weather report right now, we would say. Another kook banned from Twitter, which is their free gasoline to the fire. They monetize it very effectively. That, that's gone for her. There's a good story in the Washington Post about Trump. I don't know what they call them. Allies, legions, Internet warriors, all fighting each other. Some of them mad at Trump for talking about the vaccine. The New York Attorney General is hauling his family uh, in or trying to subpoena them. He's fighting it, of course, because he's got a civil, or excuse me, she has a civil investigation going on into all the financial misdeeds of the Trump organization. He's got the Manhattan DA closing in. They've indicted his, his equivalent of Abracadabra Rosencrantz, Dutch Schultz's great bookkeeper. And, you know, uh, there's a poll came out a few weeks ago, and I've seen private data saying the same thing. In a presidential primary race, Trump's under 50. You know, he was in the 40s, and the current front runner, soft front runner, it's still way too early, uh, Governor DeSantis, who's kind of a Trump light uh, imitator down in Florida, was doing about 26% of the vote. But, you know, 100% of Republicans know Trump, and under half were supporting him as their first choice candidate to run again. And then finally, I've seen other polling. You, you, we've actually had Tony Fabrizio on here who published some of this. That kind of the largest plurality in the Republican Party is, oh, Trump was great, but it's time to move on, uh, self-descriptors. So my question for the team genius here, guys, straighten me out. Is Trump in a slow decline or is Trump on the verge of a huge comeback if the Republicans win the House and he gets credit for it? Well, I, I listen, I think he's going to get credit when it happens. I think he still mm-hmm. has a stranglehold on the uh, a firm stranglehold on the base. I do think he's he diminished, Mike, but I think it's it's you know, he is using his power very effectively in these primaries and taking out people. And it, I know that you refer to this often, the man who would be king. And until he bleeds <laughs> and really bleeds. But once he bleeds, I think somebody like a DeSantis, you know, if all they got to do is throw down the sword and say, I'm in. And yeah, then he could collapse like overnight. And some of these primaries, you know, the Trump primary record's been mixed so far. Rove wrote a pretty good uh, article about this yeah, in the did. journal a few weeks ago did. saying, you know, it's been bumpy. I mean, I wish it kills me that Gonzalez didn't run for reelection up northern Ohio against uh, Max Miller, a Trumpy uh, primary opponent, because I think he could have beat him, uh, at least in his old district. But, um, uh, I don't know. I think the, the primaries in the first, you know, 60% of the year are going to tell us a lot about who Trump really is. Yeah, Murphy, you, you and I disagree with it on this. I, I think he has a very strong, if not the strongest stranglehold he's ever had on the Republican Party. It hasn't been a perfect record uh, in primaries, but I think when, when, when Ohio is done, when Missouri is done, 
I think when Georgia gets done uh, with their primaries, uh, Trump's going to be in the continue to be in the poll position. And the the challenge that your scenario, Mark, is that Donald Trump has to bow out. I think for a DeSantis and others to jump in. I, I don't think they jump in uh, unless he does. And I think if he doesn't, remember too, you don't need 50% of the, the Republican primary vote to, to win the nomination. Trump didn't get 50% of the primary vote in 2016. He racked a lot of high 30s, low 40s, maybe even low 30s. Bunch of people split votes. You collect delegates, not proportionally like Democrats do so we can dribble the ball till June. Yeah, exactly. No, we're winner take all instant yeah. death in most places. Let me just quickly we get to Mark. The polls are often behind the clock. I, I'm kind of with Mark. The minute he bleeds, he loses the primary he was really involved in. Uh, something like that, it, it could really cascade against him quickly because he's it's 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 Wizard of Oz. Right now, he there is the great and magnificent Oz, and I agree he'll intimidate the party like he's done forever. Uh, but in the midterms, either bad primaries, more legal trouble, more complete batshit craziness based on his rage over losing the election, and then dragging a bunch of general election candidates in defeat in a year the Republicans ought to clean up for free. If all those things happen, I uh, and I, I think the DeSantis's of the world, the Hawleys, and again, it's kind of a rogues gallery. It's not an encouraging group of dregs, but they... They smell that potential weakness on him, which is why they're in kind of a jungle theory, moving around, thinking that maybe he's a, a slow gazelle in the end. We'll see. I agree with you that, I mean, my theory on this, and you can read our predictions, our early 2022 political predictions on our newsletter, hacksontap.bulletin.com. I, I don't think that, by, I think by year's end, Trump's in legal trouble. Whether it's through the DA, whether it's through the New York AG, yeah. whether it's through the United States Attorney General, I, I think there's some real. If I'm doing the weather, I think it's 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 sunny and warm, but out in the Pacific, there's some storm clouds gathering, uh, and it could bring a strong cold front. Um, I, I think by the end of the year, he's got legal trouble. I think right now he's. Uh, He's really strong. Something's got to bite him legally, right? I mean, you, just the law of averages, he has dodged so many bullets, and yeah. there's so many traps out there right now. Something's going to get him. And then to, to Mike's point and, and to our broader point, then the, then you got the blood, then you got the sharks, then the feeding frenzy starts. Right, because the sharks want to eat him, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I'd say I'd say a third of the Republican electeds are all on board in MAGA, but they— Well, not only do they want to eat him, Mike, but they, they look at like that Virginia governor's race and see, say, look how successful we could be without Without Trump. him. Yeah, exactly. And he'll respond to that by pushing himself more into the. Yeah, but re remember, is Glenn Youngkin the nominee of the Virginia Republicans for governor in 2021 if he has to go through a six month primary? I don't think he is. And if he is, he's a lot more closely tied to Trump. They had a convention drive your car in, cast your vote, drive home. It's like, it, it, it's like drive through at McDonald's. Yeah. Right? You know, I, I would have said this year if he had a primary, he would have had real trouble. Yeah. But if he's a successful governor and the other model and he smells of winning, I think that would even move a primary dynamic. But, you know, it's Virginia. They have their own rules. I mean, this is a good point about Pennsylvania and other states for less Trumpy candidates. They don't have the same Yunkin nominating process. But, boy, in politics, timelessly, winning works. 
Mm-hmm. And the Republicans have gone from losing, because Trump wiped us out. We never won elections with Trump. There's one election. Trump won a narrow election in 2016. We got clobbered across the board. We lost control in the legislatures. It was a disaster with Trump on the ballot. And out of that, the only bright spot has really been Yunkin. And parties don't exist to lose. So there's pressure building under the surface of what do we do about Trump. And if Trump gives an opening for the Sharks, I think they're going to bite him. But, but Robert, you are right. Right now, the perception of the great Magnificent Oz is so strong that it's turned a bunch of people who took an oath in the Constitution into spineless slugs in the U.S. Congress in particular. But anyway, so Trump, who knows? To be determined. And now, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp online therapy. We talk about better help a lot on this show, and this month we're discussing some of the stigmas around mental health. For example, some people think you should wait until things are unbearable to go to therapy, but that just isn't true. Therapy is a tool to utilize before things get worse, and it can help you avoid those lows. We've been taught that mental health shouldn't be a part of normal life, but that's wrong too. We take care of our bodies with the gym, the doctor, nutrition. We should be focusing on our minds just as much. Look, the world's a little chaotic right now. It's a little bit out of control, and it's understandable if people want to just have it slow down. And they want to get the help they need to make sure they're living a healthy life. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Hacks on Tap listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash hacks. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash hacks. By the way, let me let me just throw uh, some some chum in the water here, sort of going into <laughs> good, our next good Biden, metaphor extension, yeah, into our uh, Biden uh, chapter here, which is I just was noticing something that Ted Cruz was saying today or yesterday, which is we're going to win the House and we're going to impeach him, Biden, and it'll probably be on immigration for not enforcing border laws, but it, if the Republicans take the Senate, I I, I mean. <laughs> I'm trying to remember now. Is that a 60 vote deal on impeachment? 67. Yeah. 67. Two thirds. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but the House will impeach him for sure, right? Yeah. But it, you know, I, I think that's true. But impeachment's been kind of partisanized where now yeah. it's a big shrug. And it'll again be Washington talking process and Ted Cruz getting up there to quote uh, a nasty British reporter once looking like a sitcom vampire, you know, ranting and raving about him. And people just more and more Congress becomes irrelevant to their lives. It's just some tribal fight. So it's all a tragedy, but I don't I don't think it will have a lot of weight behind the punch. What will mean things if the Republicans win the houses, they are likely to for a lot of historical and frankly, self-inflicted Biden reasons. They get the checkbook. They take over the budgeting process. So, you know, the the domestic policy 
uh, budget power of the president will dramatically decline, and it'll be down to trying to do as many presidents have everything with administrative orders and and through the agencies. Well, and don't forget, too, my guess is their excitement, their reverence, their fervency for investigations, while not uh, taking place uh, around January 6th, if they gain the House, uh, they'll have oversight uh, capabilities as well on the Biden administration. Let me just say this. I am uh, warming up my popcorn maker uh, for Cancun Ted Cruz uh, getting involved in um in the indictment of Joe Biden around uh, uh, illegal immigration, the guy who, who who fled Texas for Mexico. Yes, I'm here for that. Me too. I think the the interesting subtext, though, for our savvy listeners to keep an eye on is the more Ted Cruz makes grandstand plays like that on base issues, the more Ted Cruz thinks Trump can be beaten in a primary for president. Because he's another guy. <laughs> wait, 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 the- wait, wait. We saw that movie. Donald Trump questioned his father accused him of killing john f kennedy and insulted his wife and ted cruz more or less flew to mexico no 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 i get all that but what i'm saying is cruz wakes up every day thinking how can i be president of the united states i have sure. to win a republican primary so the more he grabs the spotlight the more he thinks there's a shot in the next race which is the more he thinks trump may not be as strong as he appears that's all i'm saying laws of the jungle Donald Trump and Ted Cruz in in a boxing match. Let me tell you, there's going to be some bleeding, and it isn't going to be Donald Trump. There, there'd be a stroke too. But <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm talking about the marketplace. Not about Cruz. Cruz is never going to be president. And frankly, I don't think Trump is ever. I don't think Trump can win a general election unless the yeah, Democrats either. give it to him with a crappy candidate and a failed, at least in perception, Biden presidency. And they are incredibly capable of that. I think Kamala Harris could be beaten by Trump. But I feel a segue coming. Yeah, up. no, no. The, well, Mark beat me to the segue, and he did it better. But let's uh, let's wheel around the Democrats, and I'll throw out an idea for you, all of us to chew on. Biden had a lousy Q four. Part of it self inflicted. Part of it the Q three, Q four. Yeah. Well, Q two, Q three, Q. Yeah. Anyway. Well, no, no, no. Q two, yeah, Q two went okay. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. Afghanistan onward. Not so some good. some of this stuff self inflicted. Uh, we got to talk about Omicron in a minute. But to the self-inflicted part of it, I would think Omicron. they would say, oh, whatever the hell, the bug, the bug. Um, I uh, um, Mary Cheney, Liz Cheney. It, it, uh, okay. All right. Make fun of the elderly, she gives. That's, as I was saying here. Yes. Is, see, the, the see the world I deal with, McKinnon? This is dealing with leftists. To the point, where's the Biden changeup? Why hasn't a lightning bolt gone off in the White House and said, hey, guess what? We don't have the votes to get what we want. It's an election year. In many ways, the issue now is more important than the vote, what we fight over, how we set the agenda with the Senate. Uh, why don't we break this into two bills? Romney has a great child care extension bill. Go do the, the infrastructure deal again, and you could peel a Republican vote or two. In other words, do something other than feeding yourself into a wood chipper in slow motion. Uh, and But they don't seem to get it. It looks like, hey, we're going to try again. We're, we're going we're gonna to keep pounding till there's nothing. We're going to break our fist on their, their head again. Explain it to me, Gibbs. You worked in those kind of places. You know how they think. If Joe Biden embraced the Mitt Romney child, uh, child tax credit plan, which is a good one, uh, and let me tell you what would happen. Nothing. Uh, we might, you, may, you may get Mitt Romney's vote, but you probably wouldn't. Oh, you would. But but in the even if you did, well, I would say you wouldn't get it in reconciliation. 
Uh, and if you did it the regular order, you'd still need well, 60 Well, it depends votes. on what lefty stuff you package it with. But but my, my, my thing is, I, I, think what, I think what the White House has decided is, I think they've probably gotten, because I, I think you're right. If you think this path is closed, there's no sense in continuing to drive down and getting stuck in the dead end. Right. My hunch is that through their conversations with Manchin, they think they can get, and Manchin's given them enough understanding that with a redone piece of legislation that does more things for longer rather than a hundred things for two and a half years, that they can come to some agreement on a larger plan and larger meaning probably bigger than a trillion, but certainly nothing near the 1.7 or what have you. And I think by, I I think in the first three months of the year, they'll get this. I, I don't think they, I think they understand breaking it up. Isn't going to do much. Uh, my, my hunch also is they they probably understand this is the last vehicle, last legislative vehicle moving uh, for 2022. It's a little bit like healthcare with Obama. At that point, we realized we weren't playing a great hand, and we weren't playing a hand that was going to help us in the 2010 elections. But we wanted to make sure that when the curtain came down on 2010, there was a policy accomplishment, and that's my hunch is what the White House is doing. I think you're right, Gibbs. That that. What's going to happen is that, you know, Man- Manchin, you know, contrary to conventional wisdom, actually votes with Biden 97 percent of the time and and he's not switching parties. And I think after, uh, you know, he, he's been bruised up pretty good, uh, you know, along a lot of popular channels. So I think they're going to get something done and as uh, it'll be fewer things for longer. Uh, it'll be a manageable package. And. You know, that's something that the Democrats need to get done. They want to get done. They have to get done. And so I think they I think they will. And then, you know, the thing that's lost in all the partisan, you know, back and forth is that when you clear away all the brush, there's a lot of good economic news, <laughs> which is, again, contrary to popular wisdom, because you just, it just that news doesn't break through. And so you just I, I think that I'm listen, I, I think. The, the midterms are gone. You want to limit the damage. But I think Democrats have to really start thinking about kind of the long game and how to message over the long game. And, you know, it's just uh, I don't know. I, I think we said, uh, you know, could it get any worse than last year? And I think we said that the year before and it did get worse. But uh, I, I listen, I think I think this 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 latest wave of the virus is you know, superheated and blowing through the population. And it may be kind of the gas that kind of burns out a lot of the, a lot of the, the, the bad stuff. So, so, you know, by March, April, we maybe have the virus behind us. Economic news starts to break through. Democrats get a solid package with the childcare credits and what have you in it, a limited package, which by the way, will get, you know, send the message that, oh, they had this big crazy bill they got, you know, some common sense, thanks to Joe Manchin and some others. And now it's reasonable and maybe it's maybe more tailored toward me and my family and what I need. And and maybe Democrats will, you know, get inspired and come up with a, you know, a parent's bill of rights and get through next November. Well, that that's the window, because some of the virus experts think that the fact that this Omicron is so um, contagious, it's muscling out Delta, which is far more deadly. I mean, everybody watches the case count, but as Fauci says, watch the hospitalizations and the death count. And that's pretty flat. You know, so that this thing could be the it's like wildfires that in the end are good for the forest. So Biden could get that window by the early summer. 
uh, with an economic surge and a restart. The problem, what would worry me as a Democrat is not, oh my goodness, we have, we're two votes short. How do we yell at cinema to get this big pile of crap that nobody understands but costs too much through? That, that's not the problem. The, the, the problem is the narrative about Joe Biden as president. He was the regular guy who was going to bring back order, and he was a savvy Capitol Hill deal maker and seemed to get middle class people. Then he got elected, and somehow he got transformed into the weak old guy on the sidelines being knocked around by 35 year old members of Congress and seemed clueless and has not gained the initiative. Then he was the guy who had to pull the the cut and run ripcord in Afghanistan optically. And this is all perception. We're in politics. Forget about reality. It's perception of reality. Uh, and then he was the guy who had the big smart plan to have everything fixed on the COVID virus. And then we had a huge new surge. So, and now we can't get enough tests for year three, uh, despite all the promises we, we have learned that COVID eats presidents, even if you do a good job because people get grumpy and they blame you. So Biden is on the ropes, and, and I would be thinking less about incremental legislative progress for the people's revolution and more about how do we put Biden back in front of the parade, large and in charge, triangulate off his lefty nuts who are hurting him politically, um, and make him a strong president again so you know when some good things start happening, if they do, he can get credit for them. And maybe see those polling numbers get up so he's not having to go into the witness relocation uh, program during the midterms because nobody wants to be seen with them in a swing district. I think that's right, Mike. And 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 Jennifer Rubin wrote a, a pretty good piece recently about some opportunities that he has in targets. I, th- I think a big part of the problem, as, as you've identified, is that he's just been a 100 percent reactive president. Yeah. And, you know, that's 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 partially just circumstances that you inherit. Uh, with COVID and, and Afghanistan at all. Um, well, Afghanistan was, <laughs> he pulled the trigger on that himself, but I mean, certain things that he has, you know, had no control over. So, but, but rather than be reactive or do the expected in the next six months, as you said, sort of incremental legislation, blah, 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 that nobody really un- understands. Why not swing big and, you know, st- go after, the, you know, the big corporations on some big front, and, you yeah, know, a nice big up. enemy you can fight and look yeah, strong. Yeah, yeah, pick get a big, you know, David and Goliath fight. Okay, gentlemen, we will be back in a minute, but we have to pay a few bills. Today's episode of Hacks on Tap is sponsored by Honey. You know, we all shop online, and we've all seen that magic promo code field taunt us at checkout. I'm always thinking there's some smart guy getting the discount, and I'm not because I don't have the code. But look, thanks to Honey, my friends, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. I mean, who has time for that? Honey is the free browser extension that scours the Internet for promo codes and applies the very best ones it finds to your cart automates it so you don't have to waste time but you get the benefit of the codes honey supports over 30,000 online stores they range from sites that have tech and gaming products to popular fashion brands oh we can maybe help out axel rod there and even food delivery so here's how it works imagine you're shopping on one of your favorite sites when you check out the honey button drops down and all you have to do is click apply coupon With a few seconds, Honey searches for coupons it can find for that particular site. If Honey finds a working coupon, bingo, your watch the prices drop. I played around with this thing this morning, and it was breakfast, so I couldn't order a pizza, but I would have got a few bucks off. I plan to really use this one because I love the idea of being in on that secret club of coupons. Honey has found its over 
17 million members, over $2 billion in total savings. So if you don't already have honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. Join that coupon club. Be part of the in crowd and save the bucks. Honey's literally free and it installs in only a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting our Hacks on Tap podcast. There's nothing to lose. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash hacks. joinhoney.com slash hacks. As you mentioned, the central narrative of being able to to instill competence and confidence uh, to manage the problems uh, and, and to to do them in a way that that was untrump like uh, and and with wasn't in your face and wasn't on Twitter all the time. Uh, I I think has had a it has had a rough year, and I think reestablishing yourself as being presidential. Uh, being the leader, being the president. Uh, I think the challenge is, I think to do that would take a lot of uh, the communication abilities that I don't think are really all that natural to to Joe Biden. Uh, I don't think he has the ability to really go out on the stump and light a fire uh, in a way that you would probably want to. I think you see some of this happening in the Senate. They're going to vote on voting rights. That's not going anywhere. Uh, they're going to start voting on some of these things to kind of set up some of this message. But I, I don't see that it is in any way sharp enough to change yeah. the real outcome of of where this thing is heading in November of 2022. You know, Biden ought to look to Hollywood history. They once interviewed the great Jack Warner, who was a ruthless uh, magnate who built Warner Brothers. And one of the, the funny joke is they brought um, he had a. Warner had a brother he feuded with a lot. They brought Albert Einstein one day to visit the movie set, and they said, Mr. Warner, this is Professor Einstein. He invented the theory of relativity. And Warner said, yeah, I got a theory about relatives, too. Don't go into fucking business with them. Uh, and I apologize for the, the blue language. But what, what they once asked Jack Warner, this is a part for Biden, Mr. Warner, what's it like running a big studio in Hollywood? Aren't you worried about getting a heart attack? And Warner just looked up and said, no, I don't get heart attacks. I like to give them. <laughs> and Biden ought to think that way. I would yeah. go to Schumer and say, you know what? I don't want any more losing votes. If we're not going to win, don't vote it. Instead, pick a fight. Give me an issue I can score on in the midterm election. If the Republicans are do-nothing Senate, corner them on popular stuff and let me campaign on that. You know, give me weapons, not not things I keep losing by one vote and yeah. reading a narrative yeah. about how I've got no power and the Democratic Party is, you know, split between moderates and conservatives. That does not help me stay here. And so that ought to be their change up. We will see if they do it. And I think voting rights is a great issue. I can argue, you know, the Dems in the election year where they've got to stir turnout up among younger, more marginal voters. It's a great weapon. So set it up that way and do the it's an election year. You're not going to pass much anyway. But the problem the problem is that is you're that winds you back into exactly what you one of the things you talk about not doing. I mean, they're going to they're going to. This whole thing we're going to discuss and debate, you know, changing the rules for voting rights. The challenge is it just reemphasizes that the president isn't really even in control of all the people in his own party because Senator Sinema and Senator Manchin are going to are, are, are not going to are not there on that. And right. therefore, you, you as you said, you end up losing the vote. And I think it's different when you lose all these votes. Uh, it doesn't it, that doesn't signal strength. 
uh, it signals weakness. And I, and I think there's a real challenge. And I think, you know, I think that there's, look, I think there's a slog ahead, at least for the next month too. I mean, we had a million new cases of COVID uh, yesterday and the, the, you know, the, I know people now that they can't get a test to figure out if they've got COVID. So they're just not getting the test to figure out that they have uh, COVID. Thankfully, hospitalizations don't seem as bad. Deaths seem way, way down from what we saw a year ago. Uh, but I, I think there's still a lot more bumpiness and turbulence before before he breaks out of the clouds here. Oh, I totally agree. But again, shift from the Washington press will always cover the legislative inside baseball which is a morass and a problem. Switch to theater, you know, switch to picking fights, switch to showing up at warehouses with pool reporters to dominate the news saying, where are the goddamn tests I ordered 30 days ago? You know, start acting more like a big city, large and in charge mayor and be an action Joe whether than sit around watching things collapse upon themselves. He, you know, I, he reminds me a lot of somebody I work for and love, Bob Dole, who was a master legislator, but it was hard to get him out of that mold. And the country's well, not looking for a master legislator now, and he can't be that because the legis- legislature's all screwed up. So he's got to go be, he's got to go be General Patton. When you said Bob Dole, I mean, I thought that the two things that both of these guys have in common is they spent a huge majority of their political careers in the world's most deliberative body. And in, when you sit around and decide, you know, oh, let's uh, let's have the gentleman from, you know, what's his, you know, from Texas, give him five minutes to speak. And then the general, and it's, it's not a, it's not a grab the mic, take charge kind of place. No, it, it isn't. But and in defense of Dole, real Senate watches were tell you Biden was good. Dole was great. Because Dole behind the scenes was a drill sergeant in terms of yeah. cajoling people and moving them forward. Um, I have a million stories, but we don't have time. But we do have time for... It's Listener Mailbag. The year may be different, but the tune is still the same, Murphy. So we have some huge, huge news before we get to the mailbag. That is, well, let me just say, there are excited excited discussions ricocheting across the catwalks of Milan and Paris and New York because finally, after worldwide global acclaim, the demand has been met. There is now Hacks on Tap merchandise. That's right. Hoodies, shirts. We're going to come out with more stuff too. In fact, you can send us at the mailbag address your ideas for merchandise and if you can move units, we're interested. The tackier, the better. We're, 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 We're here to ring the cash register and try to get our cool merch out there. So, go to hacksontap.com. In the pull-down menu, you can go to shop, and you can get some cool stuff. We might even, we're in, we're in heavy negotiations now, and let me tell you, this guy's a grinder, but we're working with Mark McKinnon for a special edition Stetson hat. We might even do a little charitable <laughs> fundraising with some signed items, so stay tuned. But check it out. There's merch there. In the meantime, get the newsletter, hacksontap.bulletin.com. Gibbs and I twice a week talk about a lot of stuff. Special salute to the great Kreskin, the amazing Kreskin. Uh, in this uh, episode, you're like it. We do stuff beyond just politics, but all of the political uh, area. We have our crazy predictions out. It's free. You get it by email twice a week. All you got to do is sign up at hacksontap.bulletin.com. Now, you got a question, send it to us at the mailbag, hacksontap at gmail.com. Send us the merch suggestions too. That is hacksontap at gmail.com. So, 
When you were on your your little bit about the the runways of Paris and Milan, the, the look on uh, McKinnon's face, like, where's he going with this, yeah. was was yeah. really I have to really. Say, yeah. You're right. Coach. <laughs> it, was it, like, it, it went from that uh, puzzled look as the eye shifted down to the watch of how many more minutes uh, am I going to be you, here? But I have seen them. But but as soon as you got into the merch, I lit up because I've seen the merch and it's cool. I'm going to get one of those white t-shirts, white sweatshirts with the. Uh, Logo. There you go. We as a Chicago connected podcast can arrange for something to fall off the truck for you. So we're, we're follow up afterward, but yeah, I'm telling you, international Hollywood celebrities are ordering this stuff. So, and we are going to do the beer mugs. They're coming. We're working on that might be a special. Yep. In fact, here we are. We're doing a little poll here. We're, we're hacks. We're thinking of getting some of the very cool Libby glass, big hacks on tap beer mugs and have Axe Gibbs and myself with Sharpies autograph them. And use the money for a charitable drive. We have the charity in mind. We just don't know if anybody wants them. So if you think that's a good idea, tweet us or uh, send us an email. All right, let's get to the questions here. They're all addressed to you, Murphy. Did you write all these questions? What what is this? This is uh... like always. Murphy, let's uh, let's start with you. I don't. All these questions are addressed to you. So just so if you're listening, I, I think Murphy wrote all these questions to himself and made up names. So the first made up name is Josh. He writes, Murphy, I'm a GOP political operative who joins you in your opinion of the former president and the direction of the Republican Party right now. For those of us, uh, for those of us still have to work, who still have to work on campaigns with a base that has lost its mind, how does a young political operative still have a career while also trying to be a voice of sanity within our party? Well, Josh, thank you for that critical question. I appreciate it. You know, it's funny. Back when I did the Radio Free GOP podcast during 2016, we did a little check on the IP addresses of downloads out of curiosity by zip code, and we found out a ton of them are going into the RNC because I think you're not alone. I think a lot of people who are in their career and don't like some of this stuff but want a Republican career and don't want to blow themselves up on the pad at 29 or whatever when they're still building that career – are in a real tough spot. So what I would tell you is don't quit. There will be primaries and places. You're going to be outnumbered and surrounded, but that is a great way to learn um, where you're going to be able to uh, work within the party to help change it over time. Things do rotate. Don't give up hope for that. In the meantime, learn your skills. And on days when the, the chain of command is doing really bad things for the country, you know, drop a wrench or two. Don't tighten a bolt. Don't work as hard as you can. Uh, my friend Rob Long, who has a, a great podcast about Hollywood called Martini Shot, which you ought to check out, listeners, uh, had a funny thing about the book the OSS wrote, or a pamphlet really, during World War II about simple sabotage, which they'd pass out behind enemy lines. And part of it was don't make the right decision for the most effective way to do it if you're an engineer in an arms plant in captured France, you know? Um, so I would, I would try your best to learn. I would use the influence you have, and i play the long game. And I would not give up on politics because when we chase the good people coming up out, we have no future of good people, and then we're truly doomed. Mark, you're, a, you're an old Republican hack and Democratic hack in your career. What do you think? Well, Mike, I mean, the, the problem of politics is you know because we're t- – Two prime examples is you don't need a licensure degree to get into the you know, get into it. Just show up and say I'm with a camera and say I'm I'm a media guy. So it's a very low bar to get in, and we know some fairly unscrupulous characters who've been attracted to the profession. But which makes it all the more important that uh, I, again, I, I, it's a 
it's a great way to try and have an impact on you know life in general and try and you know move the bar on issues that you care about and policies and you know just, just, just suit up and be a participant get in the arena but i do think you really have to have a moral code you have to yeah. have a place where you'll draw the line because if you don't draw the line there are no lines and and i and i i, I won't name names here but i've seen some young talented people get sucked into kind of the rabbit hole of sort of the QAnon universe, yeah, Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene, Matt Gates worlds that are participating in campaigns just because they can and they're making money. Uh, so it, it's it's really important. I, I you know I can think of there were a couple of times in my career where I had to walk away and just be prepared to walk away. Yeah, if it gets really bad, you have to because in the end of a political career, you got to look in the mirror and say, well. What did I do? Oh, I made a few bucks electing an incompetent asshole here and there. Not a good feeling. And finally, the base has lost its mind, but the base is not a machine. It's human beings, and it can evolve in good directions with nudging. Campaigns that go not always to the lowest common denominator can be successful. So don't, you know, give heart attacks to the base. Don't always get them from the base in an incremental way wait and help for the big turn and i do believe it's coming don't abandon the fight we're going to take a short break and now a word from our sponsors news has to travel fast but hiring often takes longer than expected in 2022 don't let the search for the best candidates slow down your growth find quality candidates fast with indeed if you're hiring you need indeed because indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. One of the things that you have to love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so simple and easy. Indeed makes it easy to hire great talent. According to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com hacks. This offer is valid through March 31st. Go to indeed.com slash hacks to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash hacks. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, we have a question here for the legendary Robert Gibbs. This is from Joshua. What percent chance would you give American democracy as we know it continuing to exist 20 years from now? Have you in any way adjusted any part of your life to hedge for the implosion of America's creaky republic? 
Gibbs, I know you've been buying gold bars and a house in Antigua, so you're best equipped to answer this. Spam and guns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a great question. And, and I, I look, I think it's a good follow to your question uh, that you and Mark both answered uh, around the Republican Party. I, I Look, I have amazing faith in American democracy. I, I've said this before. Our listeners have heard me say this. It has been far worse than it is right now. Uh, far, far worse. Uh, it, it was far worse from 1861 to 1865. Uh, it was it may have been worse in, even in some of the years after 1865 during Reconstruction. Uh, so I, I, I think we will be tested. I think to to the point that that Mike, that you and, and Mark just made that you know, good people are going to have to be willing to walk away from from doing things that are are not right. And I, I think in the end, the preservation of something bigger, meaning the Republic of the United States of America, uh, will will sustain itself. It, it's going to take a lot of good people pushing it, right? It's a, uh, it's a republic only if we can keep it. Uh, I believe that, but I do think there are far more people willing to push to keep that going uh, than there are kooks uh, to, to bring it down. And, and I hope that's not naive. I don't think it is. Uh, I'm, I'm not the most optimistic person in the world, but I think, uh, 20 years from now, uh, we'll still be, um, we'll still be the shining city on the Hill. I really believe that. Yeah. There's a lot of kind of hysteria going on and I get it because it's a troubling time and the decline of our pop culture, which is also part of the decline of our politics is all, is all unencouraging and the lack of courage in so many elected leaders. But, Gibbs, you're so right about history. And interestingly, there's a poll coming out from our friend David Hill with one of the think tanks where he tests a bunch of fascist statements. You know, this country, it's time we get tough and not worry so much about the Constitution to get these troublemakers under control. You know, troubling statements like that. And many of them do 20 to 30% support. But when you ask people, are you ready to, you know, take up arms? Is it worth violence to save our country from these interlopers? You get down to the single digits. So Americans are too ornery to be dictated to. The question is, can we have a working democracy again? And it's going to take work, but I remain a wary optimist about that. At the University of Southern California, where I am co-director of the Center for the Political Future, which, by the way, is a three-time title holder for most syllables in a think tank name, we deal with a lot of young people, and they they encourage me. They, I think, I yeah. think there's a lot of hope there. I wish we would turn off the uh, the bad drug of a total focus on identity, because yeah. I think that disrupts the American idea and is a threat. But um, all in all, I'm guardedly optimistic. Yeah, I wrote a I wrote a recommendation for uh, a good kid to get into college. He tends to, he listens to this too. He wants to go into politics and government. And if if really smart kids meaning like you got a 4.6 in high school. Uh, if really smart kids want to go into to politics and government service, that makes me feel even better uh, about our future. By the way, let me just tag that. If you're, if you're a young person here by politics and you're a conservative, that doesn't mean you're Trump or a Trumper. There is traditional conservatism, which is a good thing. And if you, you feel that way and you like free markets and, and those sorts of things, don't, don't, uh, Come on in and, and help us purge the uh, toxins. Okay, big finish here for the one and only Mark Drum roll, McKinnon. please. 
from David for Mark or for all of us, but Mark's going to handle it. A lot of the political division in our country being attributable to the news people consume. I wonder if you have a sense for where politicians in Washington get their news. Do the R's all tune into Fox News and the D's all to MSNBC? Uh, Mark, what about news bubbles in Washington? So, uh, like my like uh, like my uh, co-hosts here, I am a prisoner of hope, uh, but I also <laughs> believe that information and facts are at the root of so many problems that we have in this country. The bad news is that in the 2016 election, we discovered just how much bad information can get into our ecosystem. We had kids, teenagers from Macedonia making significant money by pumping in false information, uh, disinformation into uh, into uh, platforms that voters across our country were turning into. And we have this thing called confirmation bias, which gets to the root of your question, which is that mm-hmm. people gravitate toward the information that they already believe and just reinforces what they already believe. That's the bad news. The good news to me is uh, I guess the bad news is that there's more bad information than ever probably before, but there's also more good information than ever before. And what has happened is that as a result of 2016, and I think there's a greater awareness among most people that there's a lot of bad information out there and that people have become more discerning. So in 2016, we didn't know it was Macedonian teenagers. Now we do know that. So I think at some level, people are are saying, you know, is this real? Is it not? And by the way, as a result of that, in, in part, of course, is a, a, a flight to quality and, and big branded platforms. So uh, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Washington Post, they are in their heyday, the golden era, and they're hiring reporters left and right. I mean, every other day on the Internet, I see the Times or somebody's you know, advertising for reporters. So uh, the and and we have this whole issue of you know where where what's happened to local journalism. A lot of those are being shut down. But there's a big growth spurt with like the Texas Tribune and Axios is doing things locally. So I think there's a real kind of uh, revolution going on in journalism that ultimately is is a really good thing and getting us much better information. And that at the end of the day. We're getting better information. More people are being more discerning about it. Okay. Well, that is an upbeat note that I concur with that we can end the podcast on. Gibbs, you are in the press business. You want to give us a final thought and then we'll wrap this thing up. I agree with, with all of what Mark said. The, the plug I would make here is we've got a really important political year coming up. Certainly read the Times. Certainly read the Post. Certainly read the Journal. You want to know what's going on in a political race? Go subscribe to a local newspaper, or as Mark said, look at something like the Texas Tribune. I, I'm 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 a new subscriber to uh, because I think this is going to be easily the most fascinating state in 2022. I'm a new subscriber to the Atlanta Journal Constitution, not just for coverage of my beloved world champion Atlanta Braves, but because I think the governor's race and the Senate race there are going to be remarkable. And quite frankly, I want to hear those reporters on the ground in Georgia and Atlanta and Macon and Savannah and all of those places report on Georgia, not just people sitting in Washington reporting on Georgia. So if you want to help what Mark is talking about, go subscribe to a local newspaper. Uh, Murphy probably gets the the free press or probably the news in Detroit, uh, uh, you know, to keep up with his. I actually subscribe to the Chicago Tribune because thanks to Axe and his friends, I've been voting there for 38 years. (laughs) But this is a very good point. Uh, Consume good 
curated news. It's your duty. McKinnon, thank you on behalf of, of our sponsor, our new sponsors, Stetson Open Road Hats. Yeah, guys, kick it hard and carry on regardless. <laughs> All right, guys. Happy New Year. Happy See New Year. Week.